Well, summer is, uh, as in January, traditionally our church, we don't launch our theme for the year until we get into February, and this year's no different to any other year in that respect. And so January's um, intention with preaching is to keep it a little light, not lightweight, but just light, okay, and something encouraging. And uh, as I was pondering today's message, I found myself uh, during this week, I've shared with you many times um, during the course of this year that I've been doing the Bible Project Bible in a Year, and I actually finished... Revelation on the 31st of December, so I've cranked that. So, um, and it's, but it's, I was saying to Julie, it's kind of, it stirred me up in unexpected ways about the complexity of being a human being and God's incredible eternal purpose, the battle of evil against the forces of good, which seems to be never ending, but it is going to end one day. And then in the middle of that, there's this strange and I felt it strange, this strange truth that the battle has already been won and that I stand before God righteous because of Jesus Christ. And I find myself like, well, God, why don't you just take us all home now? Forget, <laughs> forget this stuffing around with trying to get over a fence and trying to get on with people that you don't like and me just being me upsetting people for no other reason than I'm just being me. And it's like it would be a lot easier if I wasn't here. In that respect, I'm not, I'm not having a, you know, a macabre moment in saying that. But I, I was just pondering. It's like, well, how, where does that all fit? And I found the Holy Spirit just whispering this word again and again and again. It's a word that I've tripped over as a Christian, trying to get my head around what it is, and it's the word grace. And so this message is grace. And I just want to not complicate it up with a whole bunch of stuff about what it could be other than to say, this is just how I say it, grace is the gift of God. God's gift, and so I alluded to it in that segment about giving before, God is a God who gives, his nature is giving. He's giving stuff to us all the time. And uh, I want to say, even our life, and this is what can transform us in spite of our humanity and the difficulties we have, if we live with a worldview that the world owes us something, if we have a worldview that is rights-driven, this is, this is just a bit of opinion for a moment, just bear with me, we'll get to the Bible in a second. I think we've got to have an alignment moment where God speaks to us that it's not about rights, it's about gift. My life is a gift. I didn't, I didn't demand to be born I didn't have any say in being conceived. I just turned up. And subsequent to that fact, and we're all here this morning, unless it's the Matrix and we're an illusion, but it's like <laughs> we're, we're all here this morning. Um, with the ability to look at it as life as, well, I've got rights and I deserve this and I deserve that. And in some respects, there's nothing wrong with thinking like that. But I found that doesn't help me to actually stay healthy here or here. I'm a much healthier person, much more pleasant to be around. Just ask Julie. When I, when I start to get a, a reattachment to the truth that my life's a gift, that God's given me life. And I love this verse I've quoted many times from this pulpit, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. This is God when he formed a man from the dust of the ground. So just get the picture of a, basically a corpse. At this point in time, Adam's got no life in him. But, and, there's your but, it's and, breathed 
into his nostrils the breath of life. Right there is the gift. And ever since that moment in time, every one of us has had the breath blown into our nostrils. Not in the same sense that he did, but I love that song we have sung in church, is your breath in our lungs, so I sing out your praise. There's a revelation there that even my breathing, the air around me, is a, a gift from God. And I'm of the view that if you and I can live with a gift-based view of life, in other words, my life and everything about it has been given to me, I'm going to look after it a little more um, consciously rather than, oh, I've earned this. Right. Where the money in the bank? Could you consider it actually a gift? Now, you want to work for it, but it's, it's actually a resource that's been given. Yeah. I can't explain why I was born in Australia any more than you can explain where you were born, it's just, it's a fact of time and space that I think is most easily embraced as a gift. I want to look at it, I've been given this gift to live for however many years, so far 60, nearly 64. I've been given a gift of 64 years thus far to do something with my life. I can either go down the road of being grateful because it's a gift, or I can go down the road of being beat up, resentful, uh, disappointed because I'm not getting what I deserve. Right. And I don't know that that's just not healthy. Um, so let me say this. So what popped into my head effectively, don't do that, silly iPad, um, was it's grace at the start, it's grace through the journey of life, and then it's grace forevermore. Yeah. In other words, the gift of life isn't just this little puff. My 60-odd years is a puff compared to human history, but God doesn't want me to just have a puff. Okay? Yeah, you know, I'm not talking about taking pot, okay? Uh, I was brought up in the era of the Doobie Brothers. It makes sense to me, right? Any Doobie Brothers fans here? Give me a wave. Oh, hallelujah. Got a, got a couple of friends. What about, what about Supertramp? Just showing my age. If, you, if you're not into the Doobie Brothers, you just need to go back into Apple Music and, and get some Doobie Brothers music happening. What about Dire Straits, Mark Knopfler? Oh, yeah, we're getting... I'm, I'm finding some new friends here this morning. This is good. But I could look at life like that. It's like a three score and ten, maybe get 70 years. It's like, but God doesn't want me to just have that view. He's given you and me, every human being who calls on his name, the ability to receive a gift of eternal life. It's like, this is the start, and if you choose, it's the start of something eternal, you can also choose, this is it. 60 years, 10 years, 5 years, 6 months, stillborn. It's like, you choose. It's a gift. Listen to this. It's grace on the journey. The Lord said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1, Go from your country, your people, your father's household, to a land I will show you. This is a great message. That verse can be quoted as like, this guy just stepped out in faith. Yes, he did, but he received the gift. His faith step put him in the place of receiving, say receiving, receiving. 
all this stuff from God. This is what God says he'll do. I'll make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your great name great, and you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I'll curse those who curse you. I'll, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. So his step of faith was about receiving the gift that God had in store for him. You and I have all got steps of faith to take in order to receive, say receive, what God wants to give us. We don't earn it. We just step out in faith because he wants to give it to us. But the key is faith. He, he withholds it, not because he's mean, but because the key is faith. When we exercise faith, we receive from God. How good is he? His nature is to give. His nature is not to withhold. His nature is to give. And then grace for eternity, Revelation eleven fifteen. Uh, the seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. Grace, the gift of God, is about eternal destiny with him. So at the heart of the Christian faith is a God, our God, who loves us. Say, loves me. Okay, don't doubt that. God loves you. He loves me. He loves us. He created us. He wants us. He doesn't reject us. He doesn't despise us. He's not looking for a reason to smack you in the head and say, sit down and shut up, Bruce. You've got a few things to learn. He's looking for ways to bless me. He's looking always for ways for me to say yes and amen to God so that he can give me good gifts. The Bible talks about he's the only one who gives good gifts. He's only able to give good gifts. He doesn't give bad times. Bad times come, but they don't come as a gift from God. They come as bad times, and the gift of God is getting through. The gift of God is overcoming. The gift of God is winning when you think you're losing. The gift comes in the midst of trial, right? So the God who loves us, number one. Number two, God wants to be close to you. He doesn't want to be a long way off from you and your life and your whatever situation you might be in. He wants to be close. And number three, he's predestined us to be with him forever. So this is what I felt the Spirit said. These things are important, foundational, light to think about, but not lightweight, foundational Christian issues that we can just sometimes forget. So we're starting 22, pouring new foundations about the giftedness of God, God's gift of life for you, his gift of life for um, the current season of your life, whatever that is, and a gift of eternal life beyond the moment we depart this world as a mortal being. So let's unpack this. Number one, God loves us. Who thinks that's good? I need to have a whole lot of waving of hands. Who? It's good that God loves us, right? Without a revelation of this, we are destined to misery. There's a lot of miserable people around. Most of the miserable people I meet hate God. They just don't like God. They hate God. They hate the church. They hate Christians. They hate people of faith. They could be intellectuals. They can be people with massive power and money, all sorts of worldly influence. But at the end of the day, you look at them and you go, they're actually just plain, flipping, miserable. They don't know anything about joy because joy is something that belongs to God. They don't know anything about peace because peace is something that belongs with Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace. And so we need to help people understand that God loves us. 
So war, climate change, earthquakes, famine, injustice, poverty, slavery, corruption, lack of respect, uh, etc. All the big issues of the day arise out of a godless worldview, if you ask me. Godlessness is what opens the door to all of these problems. And it's, no, it's a very strange thing when we see um, whole countries, political processes, leaders, politicians agitating to remove God from every context. Let's stop praying in Parliament. Let's ban the Bible from school. It's like godlessness leads to a mess. It's a lie from the devil that we can socialise ourselves into happiness. We can't. We can kingdom of God ourselves into eternal life and happiness. There is no joy, eternal joy. There's no lasting peace in a community that rejects God. Mark my words, we've got to keep shouting, turn to Jesus. Jesus Christ, Son of God. The classic scripture, John 3.16, says it all. For God so loved the world... Don't you love the fact that that's just, just blunt? He doesn't hate the world. He made it. Yeah. It's like some people say, well, God hates us. He sends judgment, earthquakes and tsunamis and all these tragedies as God's wrath and judgment. The Bible talks about God's wrath and judgment, but his heart towards people is one of, I don't want, and it says in one of Paul's letters, he, he desires that none should perish. Yeah. He's got a heart for you. Any of your friends, your hardest-hearted anti-God friend is still loved by God. As much as he loves you, he loves them. He loved the world that he gave his one and only son. There again, there's the word gave. It's a gift. Jesus is a gift to us. So that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That verse basically wraps up the whole of what the Bible's about. as God and his giving, Right? So number one, God loves us. Number two, God wants us to be near him, not at a distance. Uh, Genesis 3.9, I've quoted this verse, I love this verse a lot too, uh, is God asking Adam and Eve, where are you? Uh, And I've often said this about it, this is not an information gathering question from God whatsoever. It's kind of like sitting down with someone that you care about and you become distant. And even though you might be in the same house, in the same room, in the same family, you're just distant. There's just no actual proximity. Physically, yes, you can be in the same room. You can even be in the same bed if you're married to that particular person Um, and nobody else, by the way. Um, But you can still be not together, so to speak. And God's question is more, that kind of question is like, well, hey guys, where are we at? How are we doing? God's not kind of trying to work out where are you. He's trying to work out where are we at. And he asks you and me the very same question. Where are we at? Are we good? Are we close? Or are we going to keep this distance thing up? Because he wants to be close to you. He wants to be close to you and to me. I don't know about you, but that sometimes concerns me because I can feel a little grubby in my humanness. I can feel a little bit embarrassed about entering into the presence of a holy God, knowing what a grub I am. You know, moments of self-centeredness, moments of could care less, moments of just, um, as Paul says, out of the same mouth flows praises of God and cursing and swearing. It's like, well, yeah, maybe God's not so keen to hang out with me. Don't believe that lie. He wants to hang out with you. And he paved the way to clean up my act and yours. 
Jesus paid the price. I've got to just learn to lay down my, I guess, my own self-view of me, however flawed I might find myself, and go, but it's by grace. In other words, the gift of God overlaid on my humanity that says God's got no problem coming close to me. Once I get over that little bit of a hill, I can then start to maybe consider the possibility that maybe, just maybe, his holiness can work its way into my unholiness. He's got no... Look, God's holiness is not overcome by my unholiness. My unholiness is overcome by his holiness, and so is yours. It's like, his holiness is all-powerful. It's like, it's not pushing up, it's not like, well, there's God and there's the devil and there's this cosmic battle. Listen, the devil is a created being like you and me. He's a pipsqueak compared to God. He's, pretty, he's a pretty big deal and he's a pretty mischievous, nasty piece of work. But it's not like Star Wars, the forces of good and the forces of evil. And there's kind of, who's going to win this battle? The battle is won. God overcomes every time. Come on. This is not... This is not a toing and froing kind of one punch here and one punch there. It can feel like it to us, but trust me when I say God loves us and is all-powerful. Amen? Amen? And so Paul goes on to say this. Um, he wants to be near us. James, sorry, James chapter 4, verse 8. Come near to God and he'll come near to you. Don't let your grumpiness put you off. Step up in the right of Hebrews says, approach the throne of grace with confidence. I encourage you this morning, if you had a bad week, if you've been saying a few things, if you've watched a few things, if you've been talking behind someone's back, if you've been grumbling, if you're feeling like well, I'm sitting in church and Pastor Bruce is talking about holiness, I'm feeling real grubby, person up. <laughs> person up and step toward him. Don't slink back from him. The devil will say, oh, he doesn't want you. You're too filthy. He'll encourage you to step away. Jesus is inviting you to step up. Okay. And then the third point is this. God put everything in place to choose him. He's put everything in place so that you and I can choose him, not reject him. But the choice is not obligatory. Obviously, people can decide not to believe. But listen to this. This final scripture for the morning. Ephesians 1 verses 4 through 10. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. Some people, and he goes on to say, I better not pause there, in love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. There are some Christian circles that started back with Calvinism, basically, that, and proceed through to today, that have got this thing about predestination, and that there's those who are going to be saved because of God's will, and there are those who are going to go to hell because of God's will. Um, I don't think that's the intention of what Paul's writing here. He chose us. Let's just say that his desire is he chose for all of us to have the opportunity to choose him. It's not like, so he's forcing someone's hand but flicking others off to eternal damnation. No way. He's put everything in place so that you and I, if we hear the gospel, can choose to hear his voice and say, yes, Lord. And that's our job. Our job is to make sure there's people who haven't heard that invitation, haven't heard about Jesus, to hear about Jesus, so they can also have the opportunity to choose him or not. That's not, that's not predestination in the sense of uh, my choice has been made for me. It's predestination is the mechanism of that choosing has been predestined. Does that make sense? 
So everything about our journey with God is a choice made possible by his grace. That is a gift, the gift of life. Let me just remind you of what the alternative is. A godless view of life leads to many dead-end roads, fear, hopelessness, a world based around activism, cynicism, anger, malice, jealousy, rage, suicide, depression, anxiety. Whew, what a negative place to finish a message. I'm not finishing right there. That is the alternative without God. Let me invite you as 2022 launches, we're on day two of 2022. Let's launch into this year with a renewed sense of God's gift of life to us. If you've needed to adjust how you view your life, the fastest way into a place of abundance is to choose a view that your life is a gift. Why don't we stand about feet? And team, you can come back, please. Yep. I didn't read this verse, but I want it because it's probably a great place to finish. Romans chapter 1, verses 16, 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. I want you to, more than ever this year, begin to pray for, and if you've been praying up previously, but don't give up, start praying perhaps for some friends, colleagues, work connections, family members who don't know God. Your prayers don't force their hand. You can't manipulate anyone into the kingdom. It's not your business to. All we can do is pray that the Holy Spirit would have increasing and and again, our prayer doesn't open that way. Prayer is about helping lots of things align so a person can hear. So a prayer that so-and-so gets saved might be answered by you changing what you say to them, for example. It might change by you actually introducing them to somebody who can say what you've been trying to say for years to them with different words, with a different connection with them, they can't hear you say that Jesus loves them, but they hear them say, and you go, well, what the heck? What is that? That's an answer to prayer. Don't get all like, iffy about, but I've been praying for them, and someone's opened their mouth and they got saved. What's that about? It's like, hallelujah, that's what that's about. Well, I did all the work of prayer. Well, that may be true. Rejoice with the salvation. So let me pray with you. Father, we do come into your presence this morning as a close to this message. We are grateful for the gift, the gift of life, the gift of lifeliness in the journey, and the gift of eternity. And I pray, Lord, that every one of us would keep our eye on the ball of eternal life. And Lord, that we would do everything we can to remain people who are filled with your joy, with your hope, filled with faith. Lord, that we deal with our sin, we confess it, we'd be reset free. Lord, we'd be people who want to draw near to you and receive all that you have for us. Pray, Lord, for open doors this year. Pray, Lord, that as people knock on doors with keys of faith, their opportunities would swing open. 
Lord, there would be new things in front of many, many people in our church this year. New opportunities, new career steps, new levels of financial um, input. Lord, new levels of understanding. Lord, new, a renewed sense of connection, a renewed sense of love and anticipation of good things. I speak life, Lord, I speak hope over people. I prophesy blessing over the whole church. Lord, I speak blessing over every person who's watching online this morning. Lord, we declare the goodness of God. We reaffirm you're a God who gives, who gives good gifts to his kids. Lord, and we pray that we would open our arms in faith to receive them. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. If you're watching online this morning, and if you're standing in the auditorium this morning, and Jesus is still a long way off, you might know about him, you might have read the Bible, you might have had someone sharing their faith with you, but you would know if you were really quizzed closely in a one-on-one conversation, I actually don't know him in here. He's not actually come into my life and transformed me. I know that because I'm still this, that and the other. Why don't you decide as this year launches to give your life to him or recommit your life to him if you've wandered off course? The devil is a sneaky critter. He will keep pulling a believer at every opportunity away from God to the point of eventually going, I'm not even sure I'm saved anymore. He will keep lying to you until you give up. That's not us. We're not going to give up. If you've given up, if you know in your heart you kind of walked away and it's like, I don't think we can do this anymore. Why don't you just go, you know what? I'm not listening to that lie anymore. I'm coming back to Jesus right here, right now, today. So I just want everyone to be comfortable to close their eyes for a moment so people have a little bit of private space. If that's you, if you've wandered off course, maybe COVID's knocked you out of your orbit and you're just cranky about it. Maybe something else has gone on in your life. But you've moved away from God who you used to walk with. And his question still stands for you this morning. Where are you? Why don't you call out back to him, here I am, Lord. If that's you this morning, listening online or standing in this auditorium, and you want to recommit your life to God, or you've never done that before in your life, and you're feeling the Holy Spirit prompt you, I'd love you to slip your hand up if you're present with us here in the auditorium. So that's me, Pastor Bruce. Can we pray together about this? If you're online, there's a link on the website, that uh, our website, c3ah.org.au, that um, can show you a little message from Pastor Phil Pringle. Under that, there's a prayer you can read out aloud. If you pray that prayer, it's a prayer inviting Jesus into your life. If you pray that prayer and mean it, we'd love you to click on the link below and just email us and say, hey, I prayed that prayer online. What do I do next? And we'd reach out to you and help you get on, on track to serve him. So anyone present needs to slip their hand up, please do right now. I'm going to embarrass you and ask you to come out the front. We'll just pray with you where you stand. Father, watch over us. Let's enjoy the month of January. Guide us and be with us as we head out into what we do this week. In Jesus' name, amen.